the city of Port Harcourt, Kingdom Life Camp Meeting, Grace and Anointing, walking in God's kingdom assignment for your life. God bless you. This morning, like I mentioned yesterday, we want to start looking at a very, it's a common subject, but uh, I'm sure everybody knows, uh, I just want us to reason together from the scriptures, and we're talking about the the, the part B of our conference topic or theme, which is the anointing. That's what we want to talk about. Hallelujah. Now, the anointing. Uh, the issue is uh, when you talk about the anointing or you hear about the anointing, what exactly is the anointing? What do you know about the anointing? Who is anointing who? I mean, when you talk about the anointing, I'm sure you've heard about anointing services, right? Anointing service. Okay. And um, what is the anointing meant for? These are the things we're going to be looking at. We want to find answers to, right? The things we want to find answers to is what is the anointing to? Who is anointing who? Three, what is the anointing meant for? Four, is the biblical anointing the same thing as the power of the Holy Spirit? Five, can we trade the Holy Spirit with the anointing? Who is an anointed man of God? Hallelujah. Now, these are the questions we want to answer in this particular section. And I want you to take them to heart because very important. Now, what is obvious about life? What a man doesn't know, he cannot access. And Pastor Maxwell emphasized that in his section. What you don't know, what you have no knowledge about, you can access. What you cannot access by knowledge, you cannot actualize in your life. Even though you are endowed with it. What you can access by knowledge, you can actualize in your life, even though you have it. You can't make use of it because you have no knowledge of it. Is that okay? If you are going to a phone and you don't know how to operate the phone, you have the phone quite all right, but it will not do the job. So the endowment in your life, if you don't know it, it can't work for you, even though it's there. You are anointed, but you don't know. Every one of you sitting down here now is anointed, but you don't know. And that's because your only understanding about the anointing is when certain services are held and olive oil is poured on your head. For you, that is the anointing. But I want to look at the scriptures and see if that's exactly what it is. And once you don't know that you are anointed, you live below what the anointed was supposed to produce. You live below it. That is, you can maximize the anointing upon your life because you don't know that you have it. The reason for this ignorance is because you have never been told in all your life that you are anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost. You are anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't know it, so you can make use of it. You see, as we're going to progress, you find that there's a big difference. You know, how many of you know we sing a song, song, which is this song, uh, The Lord is Passing By, or Holy Spirit, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Have you heard songs like that? Take not the Holy Spirit from me. Huh? Are we here? We've, we've been singing songs, right? There's never a scripture where God said He will ever take the Holy Spirit from you. No scripture like that. In the New Testament, you can see it. That was David talking. In the Old Testament, 
And the Holy Spirit was coming in and living. Coming in and living. But as far as the New Testament is concerned, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that song does not make sense in the present day order of our work with God. Take more the Holy Spirit from me. And we're very happy singing it. Why? Because we think the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He said, I will live with you, I will never forsake you, nor leave you. That's his word. So David's mindset in praying that prayer, as a matter of fact, that prayer was fulfilling Christ. Hallelujah. Now, I would like to start from negative to the positive. And what I mean in negative, the question is, what anointing is not? Like the scripture will always make us understand, first natural, then spiritual. Adam then Christ. Let's start from the negative. What anointing is not? Anointing is not power. This is where a lot of people are confused and they cannot function in life because they think anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit that makes people fall. Or they can't even prophesy or maybe operating on those things. And so you say, I'm not anointed because when I pray for people, they don't fall. But I'll make you see that what makes people fall is not the anointing, but the power of God. There's a big difference between the anointing and the power of God. Is that okay? That you can't perform miracles doesn't mean that you are not anointed. I'll make you see that from scripture so that you don't look down on yourself. You have to come to that place of knowing that you are anointed by God for specific assignments on the face of the earth. You know, in Mark chapter 9, if you look at 38 to 40, we have uh, a story of a man who was performing signs and wonders, and the apostles were envious of this man. <laughs> and the funny thing about it, okay, right here. John said to him, Teacher, we saw a man who does not follow along with us, driving our demons in your name, and we forbade him to do it because he's not one of our band of your disciples. I like that. Look at the next thing. But Jesus said, Do not restrain on him or hinder him, forbid him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will soon afterward be able to speak evil of me. What was the next thing? Verse 40. For he who is not against us is for us. Now, guess that. This man was not a disciple of Jesus. Meaning, if you think anointing is what you contact in service, how come this man will perform in science and wonders? Are you listening to me? The disciples said it's not part of us. But he's using the name of Jesus and signs and wonders are happening. So who anointed him? If anointing is what you contact in service, for instance. I don't know if you're getting this. He's not among them. He has not been following them. But you've heard about Jesus. And the only and the very simple reason why he could do that is what you find in the book of Mark. You know, Mark 16, 17 to 18. He simply said, This sign shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. This sign shall follow them. It didn't say the apostle, it didn't say the pastor, it didn't say the bishop. The signs shall follow them that believe. Anyone that believes. So the man simply believed in the name of Jesus and were doing signs and wonders. So anointing is not power. Anointing does not equate to that which you call miracles. This may surprise you, but I just need you to follow me. So, what he needed to cast out the devil was simply what? Believe in his name. Is that okay? Praise the living God. And I want you to get it. Now, in John chapter 10, verse 39 to 40, you can take the King James so that I can be fast. Amplify normally. Amplify and blows it up. In, in John chapter 10, 39 to 41, the Bible tells us, Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and went away. That's talking about Jesus now. Right? 
But he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John had fought baptized and he abode there. Talking about Jesus now. Go ahead. Verse 41. And men resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. The question is, was John anointed or not? But he did no miracle. So anointing does not equal miracles. That's what I want to show you. Now, in, a, in this present century, we have somebody like Billy Graham. You can agree with me that Billy Graham was anointed man of God. Do you agree with me? Yes, but do you know that Billy Graham does not perform miracles? Just like John the Baptist. He can't heal a headache. He doesn't cast out devils. But he was one of the most anointed man of God, if I may use the word, in this present century that just passed on. Anointing does not equal miracles. So because maybe you can't perform miracles, doesn't mean you have to look down at yourself that you're not anointed. John the Baptist performed no single miracle in all of his ministry. But as far as the scripture is concerned, of men born of women, there's known as greater John the Baptist. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? The power of the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as the anointing. That is another thing that will confuse so much in scriptures. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the scripture simply said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Acts chapter 1 verse number 8. That was not the anointing. Hallelujah. Now that I receive power to be able to carry out what they have anointed for. Anointing is your assignment. I'm going to make you, make you see that. Then the Holy Spirit enables you to carry out what you are anointed for. Hallelujah. In Act, I mean in Matthew chapter uh, 28 verse 19, we, we, we read when Jesus said, go into the world, preach the gospel, baptize them, Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That command which He gave to them, that instruction which He gave to them, they need something to be able to carry it out, and that is the Holy Spirit. The assignment He gave to them to go, they be called, commissioned, that is the anointing. But they need the Spirit to be able to carry out the anointing. I'll show you. Praise the Lord. Endowment of gifts for general Christian living, all of those things we'll find in First Corinthians, speaking in tongues, all of those things, those are endowments that God gave to the church for Christian living. Every Christian was supposed to be operating on all of those gifts, right? The one you find in First Corinthians, speaking in tongues, faith, wisdom, knowledge, all of those things, they are for our Christian living. That is not the anointing. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Alright. So, again, let me show you something. Uh, I will take you, like I said, all of those signs, I mean, all the gift of the Spirit, you'll find in the book of uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Those are not the anointing. They are the endowment God has given to all believers to be able to live the Christian life. Is that okay? Right. You speaking in tongue doesn't mean you are anointed. That's why you are speaking in tongue. That's confusion. It's simply the gift of the Spirit. Is that alright? Okay. So we must not confuse the giftings of the Holy Ghost to the individuals as if that is the anointing. No. We benefit from the gift of the Spirit. In fact, the scriptures say, He gives to everyone as He wills. Is that alright? Praise the Lord. Okay, I want us to just take this bit by bit. Uh, let us look at something very interesting in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Oh no, that's a long reading. Um, that's going to be too long for us <laughs> in this place. I just need to go to something simpler. 
All of those uh, gifts, just like the gift of the Spirit, the fivefold ministry gift, they are all gifts. Is that okay? Right. Now, if you call, let me be breaking it down. If you call, for instance, as a pastor, your role as a pastor, which has to do with feeding the flock, is the anointing. Do you understand that? Your role as a pastor, you as a pastor is a gift. Your assignment as a pastor is to feed the flock or feed the sheep. Then the Holy Spirit helps you to feed the sheep in carrying out your assignment. Praise the living God. Let me show this to you now. Luke chapter 5 again. Luke chapter 5. To tell you now that the power of the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as the anointing. Luke chapter 5 verse 17. We read that yesterday, I'm sure. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the Lord sitting by, which came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the Lord, and the power, listen to this, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. What was present? The power of the Lord. The Bible didn't say the anointing of the Lord. What heals is God's power. Let me give you a simple illustration. If this thing is to come down, this electricity, if I poke my finger there, what do you think will happen to me? I'm going to fall. So if falling equals anointed, that means electricity is anointed. You see that? But what happens is, there is an energy that comes into your life that your body cannot resist. That's why you fall. Are you listening to me? It's called the power of God, not the anointing. <laughs> I know some of you are just, what are you talking about? Just come with me a little bit. Hallelujah. I would like us to look at uh, uh, the book of Luke. Let me just go straight to the book of Luke and show you something. You see, the man that is in you that enables you to do the powers. Like Jesus was telling Judas, for instance. Um, I mean, Philip, when he asked him the question, show us the Father. In the book of John, chapter 14, he simply made a statement. So why think about the Father? If you see me, you send the Father. If you can't believe me, believe the works that I do. For it's not me that is doing the work, but the Father that dwelleth in me. So you see, the truth of the matter is, Jesus was trying to say, I don't perform miracles, God in me performs the miracles. Paul had all of those things around him using like handkerchief, handkerchief. You understand that? That when the people came to the meeting and they were going back, they borrowed this thing from Paul and took them home. And the people got healed. Paul never asked anybody to buy a handkerchief when they are coming to a meeting. Now, tell me if Paul repeated that anywhere else. Just tell me. Hallelujah. And so it's not a doctrine. To buy handkerchiefs and bring to meetings. It's not a doctrine. You need to understand that. Somebody said, but just walking. Why not? How many of you have seen piece of wood as an idol? Don't they not walk? Those idols not walk? Those who go to a shrine, do they not receive manifestation? No, it's your belief. Anything you believe works. But that does not validate that thing that is of God. The practice is not of God, but it can work. Are you there with me? I need to get, I need you to get this right. So there were things that were borrowed for Paul. Paul never asked anybody to bring aprons to the meeting. You just need to get that. Very, very important. Very critical. Are you saying, Pastor David, you're saying we shouldn't carry handkerchief? No, no, no. Carry. Anytime they ask you to carry, carry. Right? Let your faith be in the handkerchief. Is that okay? As much as possible. Uh, I went to a meeting, South Africa, couple's meeting, and then he wanted to pray for everybody. But the place was large. There's no way he could do that. So what he did was to trim piece of cloth, white piece of cloth in a big bag, and just dip his hand in it, and then you throw it up there. Now, some people were catching as you catch, you fall. A lot of things were going on. 
Now, some people went back home with those things. But other than the day they fell, he did nothing again more than that. God can ask you to do something specifically for a particular time or season. He doesn't make it a doctrine. Jesus healed people by using more than speed. He never repeated it anywhere else. If God asks you to buy olive oil now and make use of it, there is nothing wrong with it. But to make it as a doctrine and say olive oil is the Holy Ghost is false. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. So that your faith will not rest on material things. Your faith will be in Christ that is resident within your life. Those things are not anointed. Hallelujah. All right. I hope you are following. Okay. And I want you to get this. If you take time to study Exodus, Chapter 20, 30, 22 to 33. We don't have time to read that. It's so vitally important you understand something here. If you look at it very critically, Exodus 30, 22 to 33, when God told Moses to make the anointing oil, and the things he needed to anoint the oil with, he warned him, other than the priest, the anointing oil must not go to the flesh of any man. Don't use it on man. That was the instruction God gave to Moses. But what do we do today? Almost everybody. Huh? Throw the thing on your you, you read down all of that. You know, up to 44. You'll be able to get I'm 33. You see what I'm talking about. Hmm? From 22 to 33, you'll be able to get what I'm talking about. But he said, Don't pour it on any man. Only the articles in the temple and Aaron and his son, the priesthood. Well, no other man was qualified to receive what he called the anointing oil. Hallelujah. The Hebrew word for anointing actually is Meshach. The root word is from Messiah, which means the anointed one. Now, I want you to get it. Anointing. The anointed one. You must understand the big difference in the use of these words. The anointed one means the one that carries the anointing. Otherwise, think about it. If anointing is what empowers people, in the book of Genesis 28, we'll find that Jacob anointed stones. How many of you understand that? He took oil and pointed upon stone and said, This is the house of God. So, what are you talking about? <laughs> Praise the living God. I mean, it is just something, it has nothing one bit to do with what you call anointing in terms of power. Nothing to do with that. Your mind is off what is a reality because of your perception of what you've been taught. But I want you, you to understand who you are when it comes to the anointing. You are loaded. I say you are loaded. But you don't understand, so you can't make use of what's on your inside. Somebody once asked me, Pastor, I've not seen a bottle of olive oil on your on your pulpit. Do you use olive oil? Olive oil. I I use it. If I have a bruise, I can put olive oil there. For cures. Olive oil meant for medical cures, you know. That's the way it was meant for. It's not, it's not the anointing. It's not the power of God. You see, get this right. You see the man that was attacked on the road to Jericho. You understand what I said? Say pour oil on him. Remember that. And bandage him and keep him. Pay the bills. When I come back, I'll pay the balance. What was it meant for? The oil was meant to treat the wounds of the man so saved from the armed robbery. So, oil would be used what medicina, that's right. not for power. That's right. That's right. And that's why, it, it, oh, come on. James who said, is anyone sick? Let the anoint. Why are you saying it? Rub oil on him. Like your old people used to do when they come from farm. Huh? How many of you understand that? Yes, I know my, my mother used to use this uh, canal pomade. 
When they come from farm to have you walk, they rub themselves. I say, what you say, it stretches the body. You understand that? That's anointing. They were anointing themselves with cannabis permit. He'd been there. And that's the way the Jews were using it. But it's when Moses, I mean, James was speaking, he said, the prayer is the prayer, not the oil. The prayer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it's like massage this person with oil and pray. That's what he was saying. Massage him, rub him, and pray. You don't massage people ordinarily. You massage, you understand that? You use oil and whatever, cream, whatever. As a matter of fact, how many of you took your bath this morning? Did you rub cream on yourself? You anointed yourself. You've been anointing yourself every day. <laughs> Glory to <yourself. laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so that is what it really stands for. I mean, it's nothing very specific. In the Old Testament, the oil or the anointing was meant for how do I put it now? Consecration of the king, the priest, and the prophet. Anytime they want to bring it, you understand that? Uh, they pour the oil there. I can give you scriptures on that. You just write them down. Exodus 28, 41. You can look at that. Uh, and then you have, I think, 4 Samuel 10, verse 1. And then you have 1 Kings 19, 16. You can read all of those things. You'll be able to see. There's a big difference. There's anointing for kingship, anointing for priesthood, anointing for. But you see, now come to think about it. You know, in, in the Bible, Jesus was anointed, if you if you will, three times. Huh? When God said at the time of baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I will please. That was his consecration as a prophet. You understand that? When, no, as a priest, when in Matthew chapter 17, the voice came again, this is my beloved son in whom I will please. Hear, hear him. That was his consecration as, what is that? A, a prophet. John's case was a priest because John was a priest. So God was trying to tell the people, get your eyes off John and look unto Jesus. In that place of the book of Matthew, you have the law and the prophet standing before Jesus. And the voice came, this is my beloved son. You know that word? Put away the law, put away the prophet and look unto him. And in Hebrews chapter 1, he was anointed as a king. So, Priest, prophet, and king. Now tell me where God poured oil on his head. But what I simply said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and he went about doing good. How I many of you understand that? Praise the living God. The major difference between Israel and other nations was Israel was an anointed nation of God. As a community of people, the life and the grace of God was in them. Because it authorized them, as it were, to become leaders all over the world. That's just what it stands for. Okay, I want to show you something now. Look out. Go with me to... Thank you. Go with me to Isaiah 45, verse number 1. I'm going to talk this again later on, but I just want you to read this. Isaiah 45, verse number 1. Thus hear the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. Who is Cyrus? King of Asia. Was he a believer? Was he in church? How come he was anointed? That means the anointing can go to any man, even I mean, just about anybody that God picks, not anybody who is in church or is speaking in tongue. Nothing to do with that. This is King Cyrus. Non-believer. He is not a Jew. But God's calling what? He's anointed. I will show you how he's anointed. Look at what he said. Who was right and have held him, holding to subdue nation before him, and I will lose the loins of his, of the kings to open before him the two leaf gates, and the gates shall not be shut. What made King Cyrus an anointed man of God? 
Go back to chapter 44 and look at the last two verses. Chapter 44 and the last two verses. That say to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up the rivers. Verse 28. That said of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. Glory. Who is the shepherd in the Bible? The pastor. How come God is referring to an unbeliever as a pastor? Oh, come on. Can you think a little bit? Now look at this. He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built, and to the temple, the foundation shall be laid. This is why he calls him his anointed. The assignment he gave to him is what qualified him to be pastor, and at the same time, the anointed one of God. There was no service anywhere performed for King Cyrus to be consecrated with olive oil. Is anybody following this? Praise the living God. So if you may pick it from this, the assignment God gives to you is your anointing. The power of the Holy Spirit comes to help you perform what? Your duties. He says, you shall perform all my pleasure. What was the pleasure? Remember the book of Ezra? Right? He has to write later to all the nations, the God of heaven has told me to build him a temple. Let everybody bring it to bring resources. And people begin to donate and bring things for the building of the temple. And then he made a decree because now he was the king Oliver. Everywhere there was a Jew, let him come back home. That's why I called him a prophet. I mean, uh, his shepherd. He was getting the Jews that were scattered abroad to come back home because now he was going to build the temple, the walls of Jerusalem, and then to build the temple. That's why God refers to him as what? His shepherd. And then chapter 45 now, he now said, he is my anointed. Why? Because he's already having a duty to perform. And he said, the gates of glory. If you take time to read that, he said, come on, go to chapter 45. I'll just show you some things. Go back to chapter 45. But are you following it? Look at it. Thus said the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus who right hand of holding to subdue nations before him and I will lose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaf gate and the gate shall not be shut. What is that supposed to tell you? In other words, if you walk in your anointing, God goes before you. Look at the next Let's rush through this a little bit. Look at verse 2. I will go before thee. Praise God. Why? Because he is what? Anointed. What he's trying to say is no king shall be able to stand your way. No power can stand your way. No obstruction. All those ones you pray, God open doors and all that. Let him go before you, the doors will open by their own accord. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gate of brass and cut in asunder the bars of iron. Amen? Look at the next thing. And I will give thee, what? The treasures of darkness. And he the riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I am the Lord who called thee by thy name. I am the God of Israel. Listen to this. Look at the next verse. For Jacob, my servant's sake, all the purpose of the anointing is for the sake of the church. Resources coming to the anointed one is for the sake of the church. You have to get this right. That's why sometimes we make progress in life, but we forsake the church and what seems to be resources begin to shut down. We begin to cry, the devil has taken my money. The devil has done that. God calls you for the sake of his church. He opened to you the treasures of darkness. Treasures of darkness have nothing to do with witchcraft. And that is what I was told in the late time that treasures of darkness speak. You know, how to know how witches operate. You understand that? Crazy. Nothing to do with that. What he's saying is, the unbelievers who are not in this realm that I've called you into will bring money to you. The treasure of darkness means wealth. They will bring them for the sake of the temple that I've called you to build. Is that okay? For my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have so named thee, though thou have not known me. He was not a believer. But he was an anointed man of God. 
Did you get this? So sometimes why we struggle in so many things because we are not functioning in our anointing. And that's because we don't know what our anointing really is. Praise the living God. So you see, all Christians are actually anointed. I want to, I want to tell you that with all boldness. Praise the living God. Every believer is anointed. Please, please, please. I just want you to get that right. And it's important. Right. I've talked to you about James, what James said. So let me just move on a little bit. Uh, what am I going to share with you again? Are you, are you picking this? Good. Because I need you to walk out of this place with some level of boldness. You know, we have this fellowship that always tells people or make people feel, I know who I am. I know who I am. You, you know that? Anytime you want to talk, I know who I am. Right? I, I like the confession they make, but many of them don't really know who they are. The pastor just tells them to say that, and they say it. It's very good. If you really know who you are, oh, come on, because you are actually a child of God. I, I, I was sharing a few weeks ago, I mean, last week, and I mentioned this. If I talk to you today about the kingdom of God, you get confused. But listen to this. You have the animal kingdom, you have the fish kingdom, you have the plants kingdom. Is that okay? You have the reptile kingdom, you have the flower kingdom. All of them have the same characteristics. Are you there with me? Like the dog. Though it's in the animal kingdom, but it's in a group of pets. Is that okay? Now all dogs are like the same thing, except the breed or whatever you call them. But dogs are dogs. Except anything by scientific wickedness, a dog cannot give birth to a pussycat. Because the gene of the dog is different from the of a pussycat. Are you with me? So we can talk about the pussycat kingdom. Actually, they are all animal kingdom. But in terms of pests, you can talk about pussycat kingdom. But they have the same features. You have the weaver bed, the same species, and then the same uh, 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 power within them to construct their nest with the mouth upside down. If you take a weaver bed, lock it up, I mean, just pick the, the young weaver bed, right? Put it somewhere. I don't allow it out. When it's grown from the house, release it to the forest. It's going to build its nest with the head upside down. Who is teaching the weaver bed that? Nobody. It is right in the mind of the weaver bed. It's your nature. Is that okay? So if you have, for instance, the kingdom of the weaver bed, they have the same feature, the same characteristics. What then is the kingdom of God? God's family. God's family. The same characteristics. So when you are saying, I know who I am, understand what you are saying. I belong to God's family. I have the same characteristics. That's why I like the scripture I just gave to you in Isaiah 51. I place my words in your mouth. How did God create the universe? Let there be light. That's why the emphasis Pastor Maxwell is giving is so important of coming to the place of knowing the word of God. How did God create the universe? There was nothing in creation. He simply said, let there be light. He never laid hands on anything. There was nothing for him to lay hands on. Yes, sir. Now, if we be like our father, come on now, somebody. Yes, yes. What are we supposed to do? Yes. We create what we want. Yes. Yes. That is why I like the emphasis given. What you confess, what you say is so vitally important. And if you know that God has placed his word in your mouth to be able to create the heavens, what's the heavens? The climate, the atmosphere, you know, the, 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 the surrounding, whatever thing that is controlling, because Daniel said the heavens do rule. So whatever is supposed to be controlling you, you control, you subject, you create what you want. You come to your house and, I mean, there is kind of Darkness in terms of like no joy, nothing. You can create joy when you come into your house. You speak way into the atmosphere. You change the climate that you are living in. Is anybody getting this? Because you should know who you are. So I'm saying don't wait for any kind of oil to be poured on your head before you begin to function in that calling that God has brought you into. Because you truly are not a truth. You are anointed of God. Amen. All right, praise the living God. Okay, the anointing is simply is the equipping of God on your life, and uh, the major assignment. I would like to read a scripture, Luke chapter four, 
Mm. The Lord gave me this album about, around about eight years or thereabout. Somebody was having an anointing service at Agbo. And then he sent me a message, said, Pastor David, we're having an anointing service and I need you to come and speak on the anointing. And uh, I was driving. And then I asked the question, Lord, what actually is the anointing? I was driving between Ekma and, yeah, just by the link road, before the bridge. And the voice came, consider my son. And the next thing was Luke chapter 4, 17 to 18. And then before I could finish, he said, Isaiah 45. I was hearing voice talking to me. I just parked the car, took my Bible, I have to mark up the whole thing. That is where the first time I got this understanding, and when I went to the conference and started teaching, everybody was looking so because the understanding is like what you know before. Understanding how to do anointing, you fall down, you know, you cry, you break some chairs and you will not replace them, you know. Uh-huh. That's the anointing. He said, service of power, the anointing flow. Oh yeah. What really moved there was the presence of God, the power of God. Let me show you. Ah, Jesus went to the temple and then they gave him the Bible, the scroll, as at that time. He opened to the book of Isaiah and they were delivered unto him the book of prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written. Look at the next thing. The spirit of the Lord are you with me? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because, now I want you to take it easy. He has what? Anointed me to. You have not seen it this way before, but I want you to get it. The spirit is upon me because the reason why the spirit is upon me is because he has anointed me to not that he's going to anoint me no he has already been what anointed and the spirit came so you see the spirit is not the same thing as what the anointing are you seeing it come on are you following what i'm saying here the spirit of the lord is upon me the reason why the spirit is upon me is because God has anointed me too. Now it's directional. Time is up. Okay. I'll finish from here. Thank you. He has anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. To send me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. And to set a liberty them that are bruised. This is an assignment. The assignment equals what? the anointing then the Holy Spirit comes to help you carry out your anointing is anybody following what I'm saying now? I want you to understand it so your major assignment that's why we read it before Isaiah 45 what was the anointing of Cyrus build the wall of Jerusalem is that okay lay the foundation of the temple be a shepherd as a pastor that was his anointing and so chapter 45 said, Cyrus, my word, anointed. Once you are anointed, that means you have an assignment from God. Are you following me? And once you have the assignment from God, the next thing is the Holy Spirit come. That's why I say, tarry in the state of jail until you be endued with power. Get the point right. What was that supposed to be? That you might be witnesses. The Spirit comes so that they can bear witness to the one that says, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel. Whatever it is that was supposed to be, you need the Spirit to come to carry out the assignment. So Cyrus was anointed because he was going to do three major things shepherding the people, lay the foundation of the temple, build the walls of Jerusalem. Jesus was anointed to do what? Preach the gospel, set the brokenhearted, all of that. That is the anointing. Now, now that you have started being anointed, what's the next thing that happened? The Holy Spirit have to come to enable him to carry out what? His anointing. So the anointing is not the same thing as what? The Holy Spirit. So the question is, do you have an assignment or not? If you have an assignment from God, that's your anointing. Praise the living God. 
And we know the primary assignment for each and every one of us is that we are supposed to be men that reconcile others to God. Every child of God has that assignment. God has given to us what the ministry of reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5. Can I, five minutes more? Is it over? It's finished. Oh, okay. Second Corinthians 5, please. <laughs> Verse 16. Sorry. I just need to help us here because it's vitally important. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, although we have no Christ out of the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Now, it's important you understand this. You don't know Christ through miracles. You don't know God by miracles. <laughs> These are gifts. Knowing God is a relationship. Now, let me explain something here a little bit. No, we know man after the flesh. How many of you understand that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb? John chapter 20 or so, when Jesus rose from the grave. You remember that? He went there, and then they told him, it's, it's not there. And it was, he turned around and saw somebody standing by. What are you looking for? And he said, hey, Jesus, my master, as it were, died and buried here. And then, if you know where, because he said, he thought he was one of the gardeners. If you know where they have laid him, let me know. And Jesus said, Mary. What's the next response? Rabboni. How did Mary know Jesus? Through the voice. That's why he said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. The voice of stranger, they will not hear. No, we know man after the flesh. Some of you are expecting Jesus to float from the sky. The way he was in Palestine with blue eyes, like somebody who is from, 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 from the saloon, you know, and then you're expecting that. The one you see in your calendar, you are expecting that. If Jesus lands here now, you will know him. No, we know him after the flesh. Even though we have known Christ after the flesh before, right now, henceforth, we can't know him like that anymore. It's in spirit. You follow what I'm saying here? Look at it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you to say something. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Now get this right. If any man be in Christ, it's not the same thing as Christ in you. The hope of glory. You have to have Christ in you. You have to have Christ on you. You have to be in him just like he's in you. Listen to what he told uh, Philip. I am the Father, and the Father is in me. How many of you remember that? That is the new creature. New creature is not speaking in tongues. That's a bottle of water. Just let me have this. Look at this. There's H2O in this place. Huh? If I seal it up now and dump it into river, into the river, what happens? If this thing sinks down, there is water in the bottle, and the bottle is in the water. That's new creature. If you have already a bottle in you, without you being in the water, you are not a new creature. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you understand that? Look at it. Look at the next thing. And all things are of God who are reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us what? The ministry of reconciliation. So everybody is anointed because there's a ministry for you. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's why you must win souls. That's why you must, you must, you must win souls. You need to talk to people about Jesus. Listen, you know what you're telling them? Our sins are forgiven. Come back home. God is not angry with you. Is, that, is anybody understand what I'm saying? Why do I say that? Because the Bible said Jesus died for the whole world. He didn't die for Christians. He died for the whole world. Now a lot of people have not known that. They haven't heard that. We, we, we just need to get them back so that they can come into the place of our inheritance and inherit what belongs to them because God is not our Father. It's not just God. Jesus said when you pray, say, Our Father. Your father is now my father. We own him together. And everybody who has a father lives on inheritance. He doesn't live on begging or borrowing. Because we become joint heirs with Christ. So God was in Christ. Now Christ is in us. God is in us to do what? To do the work of reconciliation. We have a ministry. Hallelujah. Many were anointed. Let's take the next verse and then we're done. Because they say my time is up. You know this time thing. 
To we that God was what? In Christ. Listen to that. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And are committed unto us. What? The word of reconciliation. Go out and reconcile men to God. That's the assignment for every believer. Reconcilement. Witness. Talk to them about Jesus. Bring them back home. Let them know God has forgiven them. Oh, praise the living God. Look at the next in verse 20. Now then, we are what? Ambassadors. You now begin to understand this. Ambassador of Christ, although God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be a what? Reconciled. What's an ambassador? Ambassador is a foreign emissary in another country. Is that okay? So for instance, like Ghana now, we have the embassy of Ghana. Ambassador lives at the embassy of, of a country. If you're ambassadors, that means where you are residing is at the embassy. You can't stay outside of the embassy of God. Is anybody following this? And one thing so strong about being an embassy is this. If you live in an embassy, you live by the culture of your country. Are you getting what I'm saying now? You eat the food, I believe, from your country. Your stomach cannot digest the food of where you're living in. If you are truly at the embassy of God, then the world cannot affect you. The world cannot dictate to you. Your appetite cannot go for what the world gives because you are an ambassador from another realm. You came from heaven. You reside in heaven. Are you, are you following what I'm talking about? Right here at the embassy of God. This is where the Bible says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. God's will to be done on earth, therefore he established an embassy. And he took all of us as ambassadors and we're now residing at the embassy. And one thing good about this, so that your fears will disappear. No power, even for instance, Ghana embassy, you commit a crime, you're a Nigerian citizen, and you run into Ghana embassy. Ghana have no power to come there and take you. They have to apply to Ghana for extradition. You are in Nigeria, but they cannot come to the embassy and take you. They have to apply first to Ghana. It is when Ghana approves that they should release you, that you can come out of the embassy. God calls that in the Old Testament, the city of refuge. So when you are at the embassy, you are the city of refuge. And one thing is important, no power, no devil has a right to touch you except they apply first to heaven. Let your fear disappear. You live at the embassy of God. You are an ambassador because you are anointed to do the work of what? Reconciliation. As you understand this, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you to be able to perform your assignment as that of an ambassador. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching and we know you have been blessed. For further information, please call 0815-556-8000. God bless you.